Quickle, the official goal of soccer, presents Quick Chat, a quick-hitting interview series with some of the top people from around the soccer world. We discover how coaches got to their position and advice they give to a younger self. Welcome to Quick Chat. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Quick Goal Zoom series. Our, our special guest today is a gentleman in Arizona, and he's been involved in a game, involved with a great club out there and in the youth soccer. And his name is John Perlman. John, welcome. John, great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Um, we like to hear from across the country and different coaches and different backgrounds. So we'll get straight into it, John. We'll just say, uh, you know, how did you get started in, in uh, soccer? And then obviously moving on into your coaching pathway, how did that come about? Well, I grew up uh, playing soccer in, uh, in New York in a small town. Um, I went away to play college soccer at Union College, which is in the Capital District near Albany in New York. And uh, I captained my Division Three soccer team. And then I, from that point on, I moved to Arizona. Originally thought I was going to be an attorney. I was in law school. But I started uh, my coaching uh, the summer before working at uh, Concord Fire at the time in Atlanta. And I never thought I would be a coach, but I really enjoyed that experience. So I went in, when I went to Arizona, I continued to, uh, to coach a bit as I started law school. And I found that I was much more interested in uh, coaching than I was in being a lawyer. And uh, what I ended up doing was um, started my coaching pathway there on the youth side, working in a local club and getting all of my uh, licensing from U.S. soccer. And then from that point on, I ended up uh, starting my own club which uh, now is part of uh, what is FC Tucson Youth um, in Tucson, Arizona, which is the largest club in Tucson. And um, I began uh, my path of uh, working, uh, obviously, in the uh, elite programs that were available in the U.S. at the time, uh, Arizona ODP, and then the Region 4 staff. I was part of that. Then when the Developmental Academy came along, I helped uh, put that together in Casa Grande, Arizona, with uh, Greg Vanny. at that point, I became a U.S. Uh, soccer scout um, for the academy and uh, for youth national teams. And at the same time, I was continuing to coach. It was at that point I um, partnered with a couple guys to start FC Tucson, which was an event company that produces MLS preseason. And we also had a USL League Two team, which at the time was uh, in the Premier Development League. And... Um, I continued that pathway as, as the general manager of that club. And now currently I sit as the director of soccer operations for FC Tucson, which is a USL League One club. And I continue to scout for uh, US soccer. Wow. That's some resume. Just going back to Union, what year did you play at Union, John? I played 1992 to 96. Um, and uh, I was uh, part of two very good teams and then two very bad teams, one of which I captained my senior year. Um, but again, it was, it's, it was an excellent school, really had a good playing experience. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, for me, it continued to grow my love of the game. Excellent. Just moving on then to FC Tucson, and obviously I've had the pleasure of being there for preseason with MLS. That has grown over the years, and, and as it started, I think I was there at the inaugural one um, back in 2010. Correct me if I'm wrong. 2011, yes. 2011. Okay, where do you, I remember the snow? I remember, <laughs> I remember meeting you there as well. And uh, how far do you 
how far do you think that was going to go at the time? And then looking back, are you happy at where it is now? Well, I think at the time, you know, we saw an opportunity to give Tucson a unique experience. You know, MLS at the time in 2011, we did the first game, which was, uh, you know, quickly put together. Um, really didn't have any sort of setup for their preseason where teams would go. It was very random and haphazard. And we were fortunate enough to catch uh, both Sporting Kansas City and the New York Red Bulls trying to get some games in Phoenix. And we brought them down to Tucson for a one-off and we had 11,000 people there. So in 2012, we were able to uh, take what it was, you know, basically the Arizona Diamondbacks abandoned uh, spring training uh, setup and convert them into soccer fields. And we were fortunate enough to pick the year and be able to have uh, LA Galaxy as a guest when David Beckham was playing for them. And that really allowed us to uh, grow the event and grow the interest in the event from, from other teams. And, and, and we did good work and was validated by those teams that were there. And, you know, the event we've hosted, you know, you know, more than half the league has come through Tucson and lots of teams started championship seasons here. And, you know, I really didn't have that vision. It would be that big, but when we saw the interest was there and there was a need for, you know, that kind of a group of soccer guys that really understood what teams needed in the preseason, we were able to provide it for them from a facility in a, you know, sort of a concierge service standpoint, really happy to have those relationships. And of course, selfishly, the amount of growth I was able to do as a, as a coach and as a, uh, you know, in, in our team development by being around guys like Peter Vermees, guys like, you know, Bruce Arena, guys like, you know, consistently that have, uh, you know, Seattle Sounders and, you know, Brian Schmetzer, guys that have won Greg Vanny. I mean, these are these are the top guys. And really being able to spend that two-week or four-week period with them and, and share share ideas and, and learn and, and grow has helped Tucson soccer, but I think is you know, helped – we helped – we, helped, we felt we were helping MLS, you know, improve their product. So um, we're really pleased with it. What was your best coaching moment and why? You know, it, it's never easy to say what your best coaching moment is. I think all of them are very unique. I can, I can remember a, a real key moment. I, I spent a lot of time, you know, in Arizona trying to grow Arizona soccer, Tucson soccer as well. And I, at, at the time, you know, ODP was a big, big deal in, in the earlier period before we had the developmental academy. And I was fortunate enough to uh, win a region for a championship with an Arizona 1990 team playing up a year. Um, and they had uh, future MLS pros, Danny Cruz and Nick DeLeon, who still plays now in the MLS. Um, and to, to really go there with an Arizona team and be the only Arizona team to, to, on the boys' side to have won, won a championship in, in, in ODP at the time, and then advanced to the national final, playing a year up was a real unique experience. It really put some focus on Arizona players, and those players were able to get opportunities from that. I think that was a unique moment because we were standing amongst a, a state that had produced so many teams and where we had beaten a defending national champion a year up to, to be able to do that. I think that really showed where Arizona could be on the map, and I think it was a real important moment for Arizona soccer. So I'm incredibly proud of that moment. Excellent. And then obviously your, your most challenging experience uh, during your coaching career, what has that been? I thought, to be honest, I thought I had to think about that. The most challenging experience was be uh, taking my B license in Western Texas A&M and not passing it. Um, when we, when U.S. soccer did the courses earlier, they were, they were very challenging and I don't think they're, I think they really did a good job of adapting now and growing that experience. But I'll never forget when the wind was blowing 40 miles an hour 
and the balls I had set out for the activity were blown all over the place. I was failed partly because I didn't have enough balls to run the activity because they had blown all over the place. It was one of those moments where I could have been really disappointed and I could have said the system was rigged and I could have been, instead I went back, I worked on my coaching, came back, passed. Obviously I hold my A license. I hold a number of other badges through, through the Federation. I worked for the Federation and I was able to come from the inside and suggest within Federation as they design classes now, what work and what don't work from some of those really good friends I met in those courses who now teach the courses. So I think sometimes when something doesn't go your way, instead of uh, you know, trying to destroy it, helping to build it up and adjust it and, you know, have the, have the respect for what people are trying to do to help them in their framework, I think is always a better way to go about it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, obviously I've gone through those as well. And my take from it when I done my A the first time was with Tommy Durkin and I stood there with him and we were talking around and I met him a couple of months later, I had my results and I said, look, I got, I passed the A license. I have the same license as you. I said, that's crazy. Like I'm, I'm not that deep in the game here that I'm able to have the same license as you. Something has got to change. And I, I think with those changes in us soccer and having hearing you just touched on it, you think those changes have worked and they're, they're getting better coaching and better, better people from it and more, uh, which they deserve, but more qualified candidates. I think I think it's challenging. I think there's a lot to still be improved. But what I would say with this, and, and sort of when people ask me about licensing, I, I say this: licensing is important because if somebody has a license, it shows they're committed to bettering themselves and committed to education. But there are plenty of coaches who hold the highest badges that aren't very good coaches, and they aren't very good people. But what it does show is that you're interested in learning. And that you, you're, you're part of the process of trying to make yourself better. Um, I think, again, I would like to see the structure, and they've done it this way, more like it is in college where it's a four-year process and you get graded on each of the areas that you're in. And then at the end of it, you have to have a degree. Does that make sense? Instead of just yeah. a license from a short period of time, I think just as you go through college, you then get a degree because you've gone through the whole college. You're not saying you've – you've gone through and there's a final test, three tests that say that you've graduated college or not. Right. There's a number of tests and you do, because some coaches are incredible in the technical side of using computers and none of that, and very bad at the player relations side. And, you know, there's no real showing that when you end up with just a singular piece of paper. It doesn't tell you, tell someone else where you might be weak or strong so they can put you, when they get you into a position, into your strengths or weaknesses. So people are, they're trying to do good work. And as long as you're trying to adjust and do good work, I always have time for that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad people were patient with me when I had some ideas that maybe were not the best ideas who were working on <laughs> me. So. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> Over the years, you've coached a lot of players, John, and you've seen a lot of players with your scouting for U.S. soccer. Who would you say, and it can be a couple or, or more than a, few, a couple. Who would you say are the most promising players that you've seen and, and you currently see playing today? Well, there's, I thought about this as well. There's a couple moments. I'll speak more. Per, I mean, in terms of players that I got to see at the beginning, you know, seeing Christian Pulisic as a 14-year-old playing for the PA Classics up two years um, in a game that maybe nobody was at except me scouting a showcase when they were not on the highest level and watching somebody 
playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. And could I have predicted he'd be where he was, but this guy was certainly looking at the game and making decisions and showing technical quality that I hadn't seen before. Personally, I've had the fortune, you know, for short periods of time, obviously through the USL, to experience, um, to work with two guys that are currently in the national team camps, uh, Aaron Long, who is captain of the U.S. as a center back. He played for FC Tucson. And then in my time in Oklahoma City, Daryl DK, who had a tremendous rookie season. Um, and I choose these two players because in their process through, they were both incredibly talented, but they had a lot of doubters and, 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 and had to go through failure and people saying that they weren't going to be what they, they've become. Um, Aaron obviously being cut from two USL2 teams before he made his way to Red Bulls too. And as a, as a player that, you know, English clubs are looking at and captaining his national team. And Gerald DK from being dismissed from being from Oklahoma and not maybe playing in the most well-known environments and then going to Virginia and absolutely tearing up college. And then people saying, oh, he's really a college player. And then coming to a loaded attacking Orlando team taking advantage of some early injuries and finding a place for himself as a number nine that was making a difference in the league against some of the best defenders. So, you know, being able to work with those players and having still relationships, be able to encourage them and asking them what they were seeing on plays and allowing them to help me grow as well has been really amazing. But those, those are two guys I continue to root for. And I, I hope they both can be involved in the next world cup and maybe be part of a, you know, I certainly see Daryl as being part of a, a long future for the U.S. national team and scoring lots of goals and moving potentially on to uh, to uh, the highest levels of the club game. Yeah, I watched him a couple of times this year. Excellent player. Obviously, I've seen Aaron locally at Red Bull, so it, it's good to see him. Two very, very good players. Just touching on the uh, on your scouting, going back a little bit, and with U.S. soccer obviously dropping the development academy, will you still scout for U.S. soccer? in regards to the MLS Academy now and what they're doing and U.S. youth soccer and what they're going to do. And then obviously we have the big USL push as well on the academy side. There's a couple pieces there. One, um, the MLS next piece, uh, U.S. soccer is, is going to be more involved in scouting. What's been the challenge right now is on the West Coast particularly, games aren't happening. Um, and then the number of games that are able to occur that have the – the, uh, the top-level guys that we're, we're looking at aren't happening as frequently. So I have been to one or two games, but to get a consistent schedule right now has been incredibly challenging. So I'm definitely still involved with that. As far as it goes for the USL Academy side, which FC Tucson is involved, I'm, in, I'm sort of directing that for our club and, and, and part of the, been part of the designer. And I sit on, you know, the technical committee for development for USL. So we're obviously looking – and, again, my – my goal for being in the game has really not changed. It's to provide players opportunities to find the highest level they can and for providing dreams for people and, and opportunities to dream. So uh, whether it's bringing MLS here for, so people can see it, young players, and people can say, hey, I could be one of those guys someday if you're even from a place like Tucson, Arizona, or if it's from putting players in their best environments. Because, look, we've had lots of Tucson players. We've had to move on into the – RSL Academy. I mean, I have five guys I work with that were playing on the field at the same time with RSL. And what a what an amazing experience that that is for me and for 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 the development and for Arizona players. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, I'm always going to be looking for players. If anybody is asking me to, I'm always trying to help facilitate some of these opportunities, whether it's for FC Tucson 
or, or for a different team. And I've always have time for anybody asking about a guy and how I see their, 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 them fitting into a puzzle and how I see their growth. Excellent. With, with that, and you talked about it again, uh, on the West Coast with no soccer allowed out there due to COVID, you've seen an influx of teams coming over to Arizona to play games. Has, have you played any part in allowing your facilities to be used for that? Yeah, I think, I think we have to the degree. Obviously, we have a public-private partnership. And so as county and uh, local regulations allow, you know, certainly when the fields were available, I was letting people know this might be a place where they could find some games. And from our youth club, we were facilitating, you know, on the ECNL platform. And uh, we were looking to have some showcase events here. But obviously right now, I mean, you know, we were unable to host a Nomads event at, at the facility because of, because of COVID. And, and unfortunately, it's really taken a, a difficult turn here for the, for the hospitals and for the, the health infrastructure here. As my wife is an ICU nurse. So that's incredibly challenging. Um, but ultimately, look, you know, the game is going to come bigger and stronger out of this as we move into the second, third quarters of 2021. And, and people just need to be patient and take this time to improve their, their, their club's infrastructure and the way they do things and to continue to learn and grow. So when those players are back on the field, they're, they're getting an even better experience than they were getting when they, when they left the field. So, I mean, that's where my head's at right now. And I hope amongst the coaches that have really been frustrated and not being able to do what they love to do in those players – that they're taking the time in their backyard in the safest way possible, and they're finding ways to to keep the game going and to uh, to show people that uh, U.S. soccer will come out of this, and our country will come out of this with with a renewed love of the live game and of uh, the opportunities we have outdoors and in, in, in a safe way. Absolutely. Moving on, John, your games approach um, at your training sessions and. What, what type of products or what type of uh, toys, as they call them in the game, would you be using during those sessions? Well, you know, first of all, I'm a big quick goal guy. I mean, and, and I have no qualms about saying that. I mean, just because of the kind of equipment I, we've been able to work together and, and you've been able to show me things that, that you have and looking at the different items you have. And you also, what's great about quick goals, for, for your price point, you've got different levels of, of things that can accomplish the same thing, you know, the types of – but uh, for me, a lot of times, you know, we like to start off practices, a lot of coaches do, you know, in a rondo setting, and that's big on our pro team and our youth side. So if I'm creating, you know, a, a 20 by 15 rondo to, uh, to start practice up in a, in a 6-3-3 game or something like that in a tight space, I can start it off. And the great thing about quick goal is you can have a lot of products. So you've got your mini, mini cones, but you've also got your bigger ones with the corners. I like to use the flat, the flat uh, markers that you have, the lines and the corners to do that, to set up a, to set up an area for that. And what we do is when we start the, the play there in the 6v3 and we're, we're playing, outside that area, we'll, we'll have four on each of the uh, sides, just a little bit, you know, withdrawn, maybe eight yards away, a coaching stick. And there's a number of coaching sticks you can put out there. So we're playing, a player gives the ball away, he sprints around, sprints around the uh, marker to come back into play. And then as we get into topics where we're talking about transitioning from defense to attacking, we're able to slide the mini goals into that rectangle. So now you've got four sides with goals on them. As we're keeping the ball, you get to a certain number of passes. You're able to score in a goal and finish that way. Also, you've got the mini hurdles. You've got ladders. And when you're doing those activities, you can, you can alter what you're doing there. You can add the physical component. 
because we all know spaces are sometimes in practice, sometimes you've got six or eight teams on a field. Right. Sometimes you've got to make the most of a training because you're only seeing guys twice a week. So you can't be taking time. You have to be economical in your training. And quick goal equipment, and, and, and many of those, you want to call them toys, allow you to do that. And the great thing about it is that there's different levels. You can use even the simplest product at one price point, and then you can also use an even better product when you're able to do that and, and, and use it. Because the last thing you want to do is have these things and leave them on the sideline. The truth is, these products can be used for a number of different parts of your different components of your practice for your goalkeepers, for your field players. And again, I, you know me, John, I'm always looking, <laughs> I'm always looking at the catalog. I'm always looking for the next thing. But again, the great thing is I think you've got, you've got a lot of different items that can be used a lot of different ways. And you've always been great about showing me what you could do um, with these things and taking the time to, uh, to, to show me what opportunities lie out there with, with these new toys. But uh, I really have nothing but uh you know, a, a lot of use for, for equipment when it's there and even the simplest to the most complex activities. Now, we appreciate you and FC Arizona for, for our Tucson for allowing us to um, be out there in Arizona and showcasing our product and allowing us to, to have that privilege with the MLS clubs as well. So it's a two-way street and it's great to have supporters like you out there. I guess moving on then, probably the last question I have for you. What advice would you give to a younger John Perlman? <laughs> I'm gonna, started college. <laughs> and this, no, I'm going to keep this really short. I think I, I'd rather put it in the framework of, of soccer coaching and learning. Less talking and a lot more listening. And I, I, I'm still working on that to this day. When you get excited about things, you want to share your point of view and and what you've learned about it. But the reality is I'm a quieter version of myself. And not that I don't like to talk. I'll, I'll shoot it with the best of them. But um, I, ju I just, again, I, I really wanted to get going a lot of the time. And I, I had my own ideas about things. And I wasn't as good a listener as I could have been. And I think, uh, you know, I have some really good friends that have helped me grow in that area. But um, I, think, I think enthusiasm for the game and, and wanting to do – some things and use ideas, but again, you have to be a good listener. You have to always be open to uh, to criticism and to what people are saying. And you know, no matter what coach, whether I've agreed with them philosophically, some of the coaches I've agreed with the least, I've learned a lot from. Um, and so, be a better listener, I think, and that will serve you in your personal life, <laughs> well as in your professional life. So, um, something I continue to work on, John, and uh, I will continue to try to improve. Excellent, excellent.